Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the February Room, where we talk shop, tie flies, and share the fishing stories you never heard. I'm Lauren Carnop, your host, and this is the February Room. Presented by CD Fishing USA, innovative construction equals exceptional performance. Visit cd-fishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Welcome to the February Room. I'm Lauren Carnop, and I'm sitting here with Josh Lauer. And Josh is an outfitter and owner of Josh Lauer Fly Fishing here in Western Montana. Josh, I see that we have our vice all set up. Can you tell us what you're going to be tying today? Um, Tis the season, Lauren. We're gonna um, we're gonna tie a squala. Uh, we're gonna call it the uh, the COVID squala. I've got some cut foam here. Um, it's a real user friendly fly. Um, we got some light olive thread, some olive evazite foam. Um, we're gonna put a wing on it, and I've got various colors of foam for an indicator, so those folks can see it. And um, it floats; it's low profile, and the fish eat it. And how long have you been a guide outfitter? I moved to Missoula in 1997 to finish school, um, which I did, and started guiding in 1999, so over 20 years, which is crazy to think about. But And what I think is so interesting, Josh, is that we can't find you on Instagram, we can't find you on Facebook. 
how do you get the word out to go fishing with you and your your peeps? Um, that's a good question. I've been really, really fortunate to have met some great people throughout all those years of guiding and have formed um, a pretty loyal repeat clientele base and um, who are all great folks and become great friends and all my business is word of mouth from those guys and referrals from those folks so feel super lucky for that well i imagine in 20 years you must have some pretty incredible stories do you have one in mind that you can kind of remember and want to share um let's see there was uh my wife was was reminding us of some some wildlife encounters. Um, we had a moose encounter on Rock Creek many years ago. I was guiding for John Perry on Rock Creek, super fun spot. June high water salmon flies. We were having a great day, and uh, that time of year, the moose are calving. We were about halfway through our float and we came around a corner and we were passing an island and we were chatting in the boat and it's pretty loud. The water's fast up there and um, upon us chatting in the boat, we spooked a mom and a calf moose off that island and they ran right in front of the boat. Mom made it pretty easily across the river. The calf got washed downstream. I did not have an anchor at the time. I was in my old Avon raft. Uh, I saw a gravel bar that I could stick the boat on and rode forward, stuck the boat. Just kind of like, we're gonna see what happens next here. And I didn't want to be anywhere near that calf. And we stuck the boat and I looked up and there was Mom Moose and she's pacing frantically back and forth, looking for the calf, looking for the calf, doesn't see the calf, locks back onto us. I make eye contact with her. I remember that vividly. And this was 15 plus years ago. And she charged the boat, um, came back into the river. Um, the guy in the front seat was <laughs> very concerned as we all were. He was leaning back. We're all kind of screaming. I'm trying to get the boat with the oars off that gravel bar and thank God she she stopped about 15 feet from the boat I'd say and we we were able to get the boat free and and uh, it was it was just a very very tense <laughs> moment there I believe I remember the sport in the front saying that he uh, peed in his waders a little bit and I think maybe we all did I don't remember but um, yeah that was uh, that was that was quite an experience um, Funny, later that day, the gentleman hooked his salmon fly in the bushes and, and fast river, heavy tippet, reel screaming. By the time I got him to grab onto his reel and break the line, he was into his backing and it broke at the backing fly line knot. So there was a expensive new fly line uh, dangling from the bushes um, several hundred yards upstream. So I pulled over. I tied up the boat, told those guys to sit tight, and I would try to go back and, and, and retrieve his fly line. And uh, I do remember taking a net. I grabbed a net, I jumped out of the boat, um, was kind of jogging through the woods, kind of head down, kind of half looking for morale mushrooms, um, scurrying along, and I got about halfway back to where the fly line was, and I heard something, and 
I looked up and I jumped at another big cow moose. I didn't wait along, wait around long enough to really <laughs> see what was gonna happen next. I just remember turning around and running even faster back to the boat. And uh, he asked me if I got his fly line and I said, I did not, but I saw another moose and we're out of here. And we got back in the boat and that was that. So kind of a crazy double moose encounter um, on Rock Creek back in the day. That was a pretty good one. You know, it's so funny though. Like I listened to that story and I'm like, did the calf make it? Did the calf make the river? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. And I did not see the calf again. We were so wrapped up with, with mom. And then uh, I, I, I did have an eye out, but no, I uh, did not did not see that calf. I, I hope, you know, the hope is that um, that it made it out at some point, but um, yeah, crazy. So like when you're on the river, is there a particular stretch that you like the most when you're guiding or what's the favorite place that you like to go? That's a good question. I, I really like to explore. I try to avoid other folks, other boats, and my clients appreciate that. And, and in turn, we've got to go to a lot of special spots and different rivers around the state and it keeps it exciting for me and um and them and that's why they keep coming back and yeah we've had some which reminds me of of a couple real special clients that I've been taking for a long time and they're very uh they like to throw streamers for big ones and if they think that there's a big one around we're gonna go there so I've actually done many, many floats that I've never done before with those guys. Um, it, 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 it's kind of, they kind of make the call a lot of times. Um, if, if they heard somebody got a big one in the Jefferson, then we go to the Jefferson. And if they, somebody got a big one in the Missouri below Totson, then we drive to the Missouri below Totson. So we've, we've been actually all over the world together. I go to Chile with these guys. Um, they're, they're good friends, good peeps. Um, one of them can, can be, slightly cantankerous at times and and maybe thinks he knows more than the guide sometimes and uh he had picked the river that day and um we had had some tough fishing and i suggested we go to this spot and he said nope we're going to this spot that's it and i remember they had a flight out that afternoon um so we were on a pretty limited time frame but um he called the shots that day and we ended up on a pretty remote piece of river with a short time frame. We were trying to find a place to put in the boat and we talked to uh, this rancher, um, this very nice woman who let us drive down and access the river and um, while we were talking to her, she had mentioned there was quite a few grizzlies around and to be careful and um, it was kind of that time of year they were fresh out of hibernation and um, I know this particular client of mine is, is, is pretty pretty scared of bears and uh, he was had got injured at work and was actually on, on crutches he was kind of kind of gimping around a little bit and um, we were trying to get down to the river there after talking to the landowner and we we were we were close uh, to the river and we thought we'd better get out of the truck and scout our way down there and be cautious and um, so all three of us were out of the truck and there was a really, really big down cottonwood tree there, um, pretty freshly down tree. And um, my client was over there on his crutches and I looked over his way and, and yelled Grizz. And um, 
one of the crutches went flying. He went down. He didn't know whether to run or crawl or do whatever he could do. And, uh, it was kind of getting him back for his behavior earlier that day. But we, uh, we, all got a, we all got a pretty good laugh out of that one. Yeah, that was coincidentally, we, we, we were back in that same spot um, pretty close to there a, a few years later. And, and, and we, did, we did jump a grizzly, which was pretty crazy. But... Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, I guess another. What do you do if you do see a grizzly and you're on your boat? If you see a grizzly, aren't you supposed to pretend you're dead? If you're on a boat? I, I, I try to be good about having bear spray really handy. The few that I've seen are, have, the instant they find out you're there, have, have just absolutely exploded in the other direction, thank God. Um, I wouldn't like to see it the other way, but... Um, Again, I, I try to have bear spray right there on the gunnel of the boat and when, when you're in those spots, but uh, yeah. But now back to your fly. Can you give us more details on what you're tying? This fly is kind of, the, the COVID squall is about a lot of foam and, and, and you definitely want to rub some hand sanitizer in there too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this thing's just about ready. This thing's just about ready for the river here, so... You know, when I first came in here, your wife uh, was so welcoming into your February room. I appreciate it. And she was telling me um, a really interesting story about the first time that, well, one of the first times that she went to Michigan to visit your family and your crazy fishing story. Can you elaborate on that story? Yeah, I'm glad she reminded us of that. Uh, it, it also brings up a, a, a point of, how different fishing is in different parts of the world and how it's changing rapidly uh, over the last even 10 or 15 years, I think. Um, and and th- this, was, this, was, this was going on 20 years ago. Steph and I were first dating, brought her back to Michigan to meet pretty much my whole family on my mom's side. We have a, a family cabin up in Northern Michigan near the Asable River. And I remember growing up on that stream many years many nights spent down there and and it was it was way way more like hunting than than fishing we would we would go down there in the evening we would hope for a hatch we were targeting or looking for a specific fish you know it wasn't it's funny how you know we're we're, we're lucky here with, with very productive water and lots of trout and, and we do a lot of prospecting and blind casting and searching for fish. We're there, it was literally, we, I was looking for that one. You know, it was, it was a 20 inch brown, it was a 22 inch brown. It was, we saw them rise one night and you'd, you'd go down there the next night and build a fire and wait um, for that fish to rise and hope there was bugs. And um, there were nights where you never made a cast. Um, it, was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty humbling, exciting, different way, you know, than most people fish now. And I remember uh, my Uncle Earl was there at the time and the three of us loaded up. We had float tubes. We used to do that a lot back in the day. And uh, we had suited up in our waders and gotten our float tubes and did an evening float. Um, that was kind of the game. Uh, that's when the bugs would hatch. It was, you know, usually a an evening into night. Um, a lot of people have heard of the hexagena hatch. I mean, there was many nights where we fished till 11 midnight, one in the morning um, for, for rising fish, you know, via 
moonlight seeing the ring or, 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 or most of the time it was by sound, just hearing that. Um, pretty cool, so Steph got to see that. It was an amazing Brown Dre catch that night. Um, right at uh, last light and Steph caught a trout. I think I caught one earlier. Um, it started getting pretty dark and we got in our tubes and we were gonna float down and meet my Uncle Earl. We'd kind of had a meetup spot um, and we were in our tubes floating. It was dark and stuff. I think she was already kind of thinking like, oh really, I didn't think she realized we'd be out there that late. And now it's dark, dark. And as we're floating, we were just about getting close to, to, to Uncle Earl. And I, I heard the boom. I was like, oh, I knew it was a big one. I heard, I know I heard it. We pulled in, we waded back upstream. It was kind of cedar, really cool old girl cedar forest in there. And, and I was able to sneak up to this fish. Ne never did, could see the ring, but could hear it feeding. And um, I'm casting my brown drake for this, this fish and uh, something doesn't feel right. And I strip the line in and uh, there's a bat on the end of the line that had tried to eat. I don't know if I snagged him or he tried to eat that fly. And I don't know if you've seen a bat up close, Lauren, but I, Scary. Don't, think, I don't think you'd appreciate their looks. Um, they're pretty cool critters, but wow, they are, they are not pretty. Um, and it was, uh, it was not happy. It was squirming. It was wee, 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 doing something like that. And Steph was pretty freaked out and we got a light and we got some clippers and we, we cut the line and um, Steph thought, thank God we're done with this, like time to, time to go. Well, <laughs> that's when I grabbed her rod and <laughs> continued to fish for this large brown trout, which I did end up catching, which was very cool. Uh, it was about a 22 inch female brown, beautiful fish. And somewhere in all of this action, the bat, the trout, um, Steph had to relieve herself up in the woods and um, she was very, very allergic to poison ivy at the time. And fast forward, we get back in our tubes. It's probably going on midnight. We finally, we get to Uncle Earl, we get home, we get back to the cabin. Steph's had quite the night. And we wake up in the morning my family had showed up and she wakes up in the morning to meet my family and her eyes are swollen shut. She is, she is so, so poisoned Ivy up that, uh, oh boy, we ended up actually making a trip to the hospital. Uh, she got a cortisone shot. Uh, it was, it was quite the first, first meeting of the, of the Northrop clan in Northern Michigan, but, uh, very, very memorable night in, in many ways. My husband does the same thing when he thinks there's like going to be the best fish out there. Nothing <laughs> will stop. If that's what you're zoned into and you won't stop. And poison ivy is painful. I mean, I can't imagine even being allergic to it on top of it, but like the irritation on the skin, it is so painful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is not fun. It's funny. She's become less allergic to it throughout our life and I've become more allergic to it. <laughs> so, yep. More, more stories of that to well, come. Maybe, well, maybe she'll take you fishing and force you to go in the woods to go to the bathroom and then try and catch your big brown trout. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, tell me a little bit more about this fly. We've got the foam on. You have the olive thread. Um, 
just tell me what you're going on with it. What kind of materials do you like to use when you are tying flies? Well, that's that's a great question, Lauren. Um, it's funny. I've been tying flies for a long, 30 plus years, and my uncle John taught me, and he was really good at it. And it for for many, 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 many years, uh, it was it was all. Um, natural materials. It was, you know, deer hair, rabbit dubbing, snowshoe hair, this, moose hair, uh, elk hair. Uh, you know, it was, it was super exciting when I was young to save up and, and get a new, get a new neck for hackle. And um, things have really, really moved to a lot of, mostly synthetic and, and a lot of foam. You're, you're staring here at a lot of foam. I know that you can, it's all over the table here. And I, I mostly, mostly fish dry flies with my clients and, and that fly has to do three things. You have to be able to see it, it has to float and the fish need to eat it. So uh, there's a lot of flies out there. You can go in a fly shop. A lot of them will do one or two of those things, but to find one that does all three is, is that's a good fly. And uh, these synthetic, a lot of foam flies are, are, are pretty user-friendly, if you will, I'll put it that way. They're easy to fish, you know, they, they, they float. They're not always that easy to see, but they float, the fish eat them. And uh, that's what you see here on the squalas is, is kind of a lot of foam. Do you tie your flies for um... I tie a lot of these dries. Uh, there are some great flies out there, I certainly, buy a fair number of flies too if I can again find that one that that I don't have to tie and, and meets all those three requirements of, of floating and being visible and the fish eating it yeah absolutely like I, I definitely buy plenty of flies you know um, so like during this coronavirus are you just tying a ton of flies right now? I've been tying a fair number of flies yep and like I said the the cancellations are rolling in so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm looking forward to really stocking up. I, I feel like there's a lot of years where I'm, man, I just, it's hard to sit down during the season. Like once, once you're really rolling and guiding every day, you, you, th you say you're going to come home and sit down and tie some bugs, but you, you, you clean out your cooler and you eat some dinner and you go to bed. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to, to really stocking up and hopefully being good for a season or two here. And, um, and doing some other fishing. I'm, I'm, my son's out of school. We're going to go to Flyhead Lake and go perch fishing. And we're going to go on overnighters. And we're going we're, we're gonna to get out. I'm going to um, actually have some a fair bit of family time, I think, this summer, which I'm looking forward to. And, um, and I, I really want to give a shout out to all those guides and outfitters out there. And I, I know it's going to be a, a pretty tough season for all of us. And... Um, I just want to give a shout out to them and yeah. Well, I think on that note, a lot of people think small business. They think of restaurants, um, which obviously they all are losing business. But a lot of the times we don't see that there's guides, there's outfitters who are losing business. People are canceling trips. And so um, it's just a really scary, unknowing times for a lot of people, um, not just in the service industry, but also in the outdoor recreational area too absolutely absolutely huge huge impacts that are still really unknown how how deep this cut will go and how long this will last but um time will tell and um we're stuck in a good spot yeah. well thanks so much for sharing your story josh and i look forward to seeing this fly on the river catching some big fish 
And tune in next week for another story in the February room. Thanks, Lauren. If you'd like to share one of your fishing stories with us, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CD Fishing USA. And remember to go fishing. <laughs>